Well, hello, it's Pastor Carson from Calvary Tabernacle. Thanks for stopping by the podcast. We hope that it's a blessing to you, whether you're catching one of the Sunday or Wednesday messages, or maybe you're jumping on to listen to one of the Saturday snapshots. We're doing everything we can right here in the beautiful Fountain Square area of Indianapolis to try to reach and connect and disciple people towards Jesus Christ. Enjoy what you listen to, and I hope that it's a benefit to your life. John 4, whether you're there in your Bible or looking on the screen, they're going to display. We're going to start. Let's start at verse 3. Verse 3. He left Judea and departed again into Galilee. And he must needs go through Samaria. Brother Mass said it so good a week or so ago when he said that he knew her. He really knew her. He had, he had a woman that he had to go see. He had to go let a woman know there's a well sitting on your well. Then cometh he to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near to the parcel of ground that Jacob gave to his son Joseph. I want everybody to look at that little portion in that verse 5. Those words, which is called Sychar. That's my assignment for tonight. Uh, I want you to just pray with me. Would you pray that the Word could do whatever it needs to do in your life? Just pray that. Whatever it needs to do in your life. If you're not praying that, then you don't want the Word to do anything. But if you do want the Word to do something in your life, just pray. Just pray that. God, let your Word do whatever it needs to do. You know better than I know what your Word needs to do in my life. You know better than I know what your Word needs to do in my life. Amen. How many believe that we need the Word to grow? We need the Word to grow. Amen. Why don't you turn to somebody? Find the best smile that you've got. Just the best one you can find and give it to them. And just smile and say, I'm glad you're here. Come on, don't make that be a struggle. Tell them, I'm glad you're here. And you may be seated tonight. There is a small unincorporated community in southern Illinois called Weetog. Has anyone here ever heard of Weetog, Illinois? One, two... Maybe three people. W-E-T-A-U-G. Weetog. It is an unincorporated community, small enough, Brother Healy, that most maps do not validate it with a pin drop. (laughs) But there is a smaller gravel road in that small community that there is a body of land which is home to more memories than acreage. Not maybe for you or the person next to you, but for me. This was the home of my great, great, 
grandparents. My great, great grandparents, Brother Hauk, had 12 children. Yeah, you think you got it tough. Yeah. You ever, mm, you ever pull four kids through a drive through You know. That's a challenge. Imagine 12. You don't pull through a drive through with 12. You go home and you get what you get and you don't throw a fit. Twelve children, twelve children they had. And so I grew up in a southern community where it was a big family. And if you just mentioned the last name, it kind of gave you a pass in certain areas. It was a get-out-of-jail-free card in most circles. (laughs) It wasn't that they were scared of you. They just didn't want to deal with the ramifications. And I'm going to just tell you, I'm going on record right now, and I'll probably get calls or texts from some of them. But I got some people in my family that you didn't want to cross. Me, nothing. But I was not responsible for what some of them would do. You know, we all have those people in the family. I got several of those people in the family. They're just extended. They think, oh, yeah, no, no, Josh, he's a nice guy. He wouldn't do any. But that cousin, you don't want to come out of the wrong building after. I was with one of my cousins one time, and somebody said something cross to me, and he knew I wouldn't do anything. He walked straight over to that boy and said, now, he won't do anything, but I'll whip you right now. I'm sorry, a little part of me was like, <laughs> no, turn the other cheek. No, get him. Get him. But with the 12 kids, we had the opportunity, and I've talked a little bit about family gatherings and what that meant. And my, my grandmother, we had the opportunity to live there as, as small children, and so grandma would take us out there. This was her parents' place, and she would take us out to the home stead so to speak there was a big barn that had hay that you could jump off of the top and into that hay and pray to God there were no snakes and yeah. and uh, there was a, a bona fide chicken coop big old chicken coop some of y'all have chickens here chicken coops with more more eggs than you knew what to do with they can pop some chicken they, those can pop some eggs out they have chickens everywhere there's eggs for days There was a white horse out there. There were some big old cows out there. We loved going to that spot. Christmas time, we'd go there. We'd all be packed in that house. It'd be 170 degrees piled in this little house. We we, we would just fellowship. That's where we'd shoot. Some of you know what it means to shoot clay pigeons. That's where we'd go. There was a little swamp in the back where we would go and and we would duck hunt. Just full of memories. Just full of memories. Now, I would admit to you today that anytime I'm remotely within the area, I like to go out to that old farm. I don't own a drop of that land, but I feel like I do. I feel like I should. It's still in the family. It would be, it would be torture to us to think that it left the family. Some of you have had property like that along the way. That you thought, well, I don't really want to buy it, but I want somebody in the family to Right? I don't necessarily want it to be my money, but I'd like to go use it from time to time. (laughs) It's how I felt and how I feel even about that particular portion of property. 
the opportunity to show up because of the memory that it houses and because of the family. The, it, was, it, it was faithful through the years. The land, the place, it gave to us. The land gave to us. Jesus has just shown up in Samaria. Everybody recognizes in the room. I'm not presenting new facts to probably almost everyone in the room that Jews and Samaritans did not mix. In her mind, Jesus as a Jew should not even be here. Why? This is my property. Ladies and gentlemen, it was not her land. She didn't own that land. She didn't own that property. But she had been raised there long enough to feel ownership of that land. She felt ownership of that place. But in order for us to truly understand the dynamics, we love to preach about this woman and the witness that she becomes. But for us to truly understand it, we need to really discuss the geography of where she was. And the Lord has so downloaded this into my spirit. If I could somehow communicate it to you within an nth of degree of how he has so put this into my spirit that I believe it could help somebody tonight. Who are the Samaritans? Have you ever wondered that? We preach about them. We teach about them. We talk about them mainly because of one lady at the water hole. <laughs> we just know Jesus doesn't go there and then all of a sudden they start getting a touch from God. She turns into a great witness. But who are they? I'm going to tell you who they are. The Samaritans are the people. When the Babylonians come in and they begin to take from the southern kingdom of Judah, they begin to take exiles into Babylon. They left the lowest rung of citizens. Now, I'm sorry, you're pretty low if you're not even worth taking. Who are we taking? We're taking everybody. Eh, not them. <laughs> They're the lowest rung of society. Not even worth stealing. How low do you got to be that you can't make a brick? They don't even want you to be a slave. They leave the lowest rung of society. And as a process of time, some other non-Jewish people begin to work their way into the region. Here you've got the lowest of humanity in the Babylonians' eyes that have been left. And some other non-Jewish begin to move into the region. Those two groups of people begin to marry and they begin to have children, the Samaritans. The wanderer and the outcast have a kid, and it becomes described as a new race, the Samaritans. Here in Samaria, there is a city, the Bible says in John 4, which is called Sychar. <clears throat> we read that and think, well, you know, Brother Carson, that's great. So what? The power lies is when we investigate what Sychar really is. Because, Brother Turner, when, when we dive into the truth of the text, Sychar was a little place known in the Old Testament as Shechem. Okay, Pastor, I'm lost. Let me help you. 
Shechem is the place where when Abram said, I'm looking for a city whose builder and maker is God. When Abram eased his way out of one land and toward the promise of another, it would be the establishment of a place called Shechem where Jacob would go in and begin to purchase land. And Jacob would begin to build an altar. And Jacob would begin to dig a well. Might I remind us that if there is no digging by Jacob, there is no dipping by her. If there is no prayer by Jacob, there is... uh, Let me ask you a question. Do you believe in the oneness of God? Do you believe that Jesus Christ was God manifest in flesh? If you do, then you, like me, believe that Genesis 33, Genesis 34, Genesis 48, when we watch about Abram and we watch about Jacob and then we even watch that Jacob gave land to Joseph. And what does Joseph do? Joseph builds an altar. So much so, his heart is so much there that when he dies, his bones are carried back. Remember this? His bones are carried back. If I really believe that Jesus Christ was God manifest in the flesh, this wasn't the first time he had showed up there. First time he heard cries from there, it was Jacob on his hands and his knees building an altar unto the Lord. It was Abram that had been building an altar unto the Lord and sacrifice had been given. No, I, I, Christ was not yet walking the, the earth, but when prayers were going up, his eyes had been turned towards this place a long time ago. It was not uncommon for them to rename a place. The problem is who got to rename it? Who gets to rename Shechem for us? Here's what we don't do, Brother Evan. We don't let people who think we're outcasts rename our city. We don't let people who don't even think we're worthy carrying off rename our city. We cannot allow people that think that we're, we're not Jewish enough for them. It's the culture of the time. We're not Babylonian enough for them. We don't have enough of this or that. So they will put a name of degradation on the state in which we live so that we have to feel cynical against any person that shows up. What was her first response when Christ showed up? How is it that you, being a Jew, you know what she was doing? She was fighting because it's all she knew how to do. She's at the well at noon, which means she was an out. Cast among outcasts. She's isolated in an isolated place. And she's sitting on the well. She's there in a place. And Jesus shows up and asks for water. And she looks at him and says, how is it that you being a Jew? You know why? She had become, just going to tell you the truth. She had become a person of Sychar. Ladies and gentlemen, the enemy of your family, the enemy of your soul, the enemy of your spirit. Some of y'all are working through your Bible trying to fact check me. Do that later. 
The enemy, the enemy of your marriage shouldn't be able to rename your territory. I'm going to get right in it here tonight. The person, the, the person who doesn't even want your marriage to succeed should not be able to call you Sychar when you know you're Shechem. You know you've got old promise. You know that the only reason you exist is because of old altars. And there's an enemy that came in and carried some dreams away and tried to rename your city and tried to rename your mind and has wanted to tell you, yeah, you used to have a chance, but you don't have a chance anymore. And you, you used to be able to have joy, but you can't have joy anymore. You, used to, you could have been a soul winner, but that was long ago. And this is the least part of you that's left over. Not only the least part of you, but this is the least part of you mixed with some other least part of them. And what's your offspring? You, who says that the enemy gets to rename who... Here's what I got a feeling. I got a feeling that there are some tenacious apostolics that would stand up on a Sunday night and say, I refuse to allow the enemy of my family to tell me that we are Sychar when I know deep in my spirit we are still Shechem. We are still the prayers of Abram. We are still the prayers of Jacob. We are still the prayers of Joseph. I know we're a new generation, but our fathers worshiped in this Her only problem, her only problem was that somewhere along the way, the Samaritans took the law of Moses and they began to mix it in with the rituals and the weird customs of the day. And they thought that they could do both. It's the truth. They took the law of Moses, study it out, it's fascinating. They took the law of Moses and blended it with superstition. And brought it together. And Jesus showed up and said, you can't have both ways. Can I tell you something right now? If Babylon comes and steals from you, why would you want to entertain the spirit of Babylon? It's going to sound hard to some. It's going to sound good to others. But I hope it sounds right to everybody. We got to get Babylon out of our city. We got to get Babylon out of our homes. We got to get Babylon out of our minds. Babylon is the representation of the world. Babylon wants Indianapolis. But not just Indianapolis. Babylon wants your house. On the count of three, I want you to say, I'm going to give everybody to think of it. Your street address. Don't worry, we're not recording. Okay? On the count of three, I want you to say your street address. One, two, three. Now listen to me. Babylon wants it. Babylon wants it. Babylon wants to get your house any way that he can because their goal, Babylon's goal was then and Babylon's goal is now to carry off the best of your house. To carry, what are you talking about? He wants to carry off your children. He wants to carry off you. He does. He will come in and take your joy and leave your depression. He will come in and take your peace and he will leave you tragedy. He will come in and try to rob your children. We got to fight against Babylon. Get out of our city. Get out of our home. Get out of my mind. Get out of my spirit. I'm not going to let Babylon come in and act like I don't have a... I'm ready to roll up my sleeves and fight if I have to. But I've got to fight against Babylon. 
Throw your hands towards heaven with me right now and begin to call on the name of the Lord. My. Brother Evan, Babylon is against the, it is against the integrity of our men. It is against the integrity of our men. It wants our men to be hooked on pornography. It wants them. Yes, it does. But it's not just that. Baby, you know it right now. It's not just our men. Babylon wants our ladies hooked on. Babylon wants to introduce things into our lives. And then before you know it, they're going to show up with a smile. And by the time it's over, they are carrying off the best of you. You'll be left with the outcast. You'll be left with the out. But here's the good news. There were too many prayers to let Shechem die. So if you're saying, well, I've already lost some of the best parts of me. In John chapter 4, Jesus, God manifest in the flesh, said there's been enough prayers from this place. There's been enough history with this area. I recognize, and I preach about it maybe too much for some of y'all, but I'm going to preach about it again tonight. I recognize that Indianapolis is dark, but I'm going to tell you right now, there have been too many prayers and too many altars. Giving up on Sychar. If Jesus isn't, I'm not. If Jesus isn't, then I'm not. Don't you tell me that I have to be less. There is a well on the well. We got some major needs in this body right now. How many know we got some major needs in this body right now? I'd do almost anything I could right now to get Ken Baldwin and Zena Baldwin a miraculous. I'd do almost anything I can. I'm so burdened. But all I know how to do is three things. Same thing they did in Shechem. I know how to purchase. I know how to pray. And I know how to perspire. That was the witness. And you know I got number three down. I'm going to tell you what they did. They purchased with their life and they purchased with their finances. They were a generation that would not take something for nothing. They went in and they would purchase. And then upon that purchase, whether it be by their blood, sweat, or their finances, they would then begin to pray. That it were, they would erect an altar unto the Lord. Come on, Abram. Abram being a parallel to Christ. Where's Brother Brown? We were talking about it earlier. Isn't that right? A parallel to Christ that he's going to come for the establishment of a new body looking for a city. There's people. There's, a, there, there, there's something to develop. There's, there's a group to seek and we watch Jesus coming here. Here's what they did. They came in. They purchased. Then they built an altar and they prayed because I don't care how much money you got. I don't care how much blood, sweat, and tears you've got. If you do not pray, you cannot have have what you need from God. Purchase. Brother Lash. Purchase. Prayer. Perspiration. You know what that one is? Work. Why haven't you done it yet? Sometimes I think God looks back and says, why haven't you done anything? You prayed. But you haven't purchased or perspired. If you can't remember the last time you prayed until it hurt. Oh man. You feel the air go out of the room? 
Here, I'm going to put myself on the line. I'm going to let everybody else off the hook, but I'm going to tell you what I expect you to expect from me. I expect you to expect me to pray and to work. Because it is the work of God. It is the work of the Lord. And ladies and gentlemen, if we're going to keep our families living for God, we're going to have to work at it. If you want your marriage to be successful, you're going to have to work at it. Am I telling the truth, elder? Am I telling the truth? You're going to have to work. But hussy, I know, I know you haven't been married all that long. But there's some times she's going to make you so mad. And sister, I know this shocks you, Doc. But he is going to make you so mad. And if Babylon gets his way like he does in over 50% of marriages, he'll carry off the best of you. <laughs> you know what Babylon does? They carry off the best of you in the worst of your moments. <laughs> they carry off the best of you when you're the worst of you. Right? They come when your temper's mad. Well, I don't care. That's stupid anyway. They, they just... I don't care. They just got a problem anyway. It's them. It's not me. Maybe, but it's about to be your problem. It's going to be your problem. It's going to be your problem if she's gone. It's going to be your problem if your prayer life goes with your attitude. But Babylon wants to walk into our rooms and walk into our homes and walk. He does. He wants to walk in this youth group right now. Some of you young people better listen to me right now. Preach to you two weeks ago strong. Babylon is invading your rooms and invading your minds and invading your hearts. And you better get the junk out of your DVD players and the junk off your computers. And the... They shouldn't be the only ones standing for that. Come on, mom and dad. Babylon wants them. But here's what I found out. I did youth ministry for a long time. Sometimes we preach like he's the only one they're after. False. 50-year-old man, he's after you. I don't even know what lust is. <laughs> Come on, ladies. Ladies, he's after your attitude. Any ladies in here ever just have a day you just want to be mad, don't even know why? You know I'm telling the truth right now. I don't even know why I'm mad. I just don't want to be around you. I just don't want to talk to you. Just, you know why? Because Babylon will use your flesh against your spirit. The Bible says that the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And if I give in to my flesh, I'm letting Babylon take what it wants. But I have got... That's why fasting and prayer is so critical because it reminds Babylon who's boss of this city. But I'm going to tell you, riddled across this room are people who have lost some of the best parts of you. But you're still here. But you're still here. You want to know why you're here? You want to know why she was still there? 
It's real simple. It's where the well was. She found out even though the city had been renamed, even though the people had been ostracized, they had come to some weird development of religion. The one thing that kept her was the well. That's why Jesus was able to walk up to her and say, you don't even understand the full potential of the promise you have. You don't get it. You drink of this water, you'll be thirsty again tomorrow. But I've got something I've been wanting to give you. <laughs> when I was... I. The boys didn't even want to come. I sent 12 people to buy lunch for 13. Do the math on that. I, they don't even want to come here. I'm about to tell them that I have meat to eat they know not of because there's things in the spirit they can't feast on. And I know you don't know me yet, but I know you. You're about to tell me that when the Messiah comes, he'll tell us all things. I'm about to tell you all things, baby. I knew you when you were formed in the belly. Oh, we got to catch this right now. Even though she was going to be born and live the life of an outcast and a misfit and be ostracized. Listen, five men and just shock it up with another one. Most ministers in this room, I would counsel you not to meet with her alone. You, Pastor, I just felt a burden. No! But Jesus, <laughs> that's the one I'd be saying, now you meet with her with your wife in a public place. I just felt a strong bird and I just, unless you're Jesus. I've heard people use that excuse, well, Jesus, you're not Jesus. I am very comfortable to tell people that, well, Jesus, he went, you ain't him. Are you without sin? Well, you know, if we really have compassion. That's not compassion. That's ignorance. He was blameless. You're not. He was sinless. I'm not. But here's what I know. God manifest in the flesh was the same one that had listened to Abram pray. And the same one that had listened to Jacob pray. And the same one that listened to Joseph pray. And even though Babylon... He said, baby, I got a promise for you. I got a... Woo! Here's my word. This is it. Your house is not Sychar. It's my word. Brother Barkus, CCS is not Sychar. Not going to be. It's not Sychar. It's not going to be. My God. New pal, where are my new pal people at? That is not Sychar. And it's not more godly because it's country. It's not. Come on, where are my Canby people at? In the house and listening online. That is not Sychar. We got any East Side people in the house? Ooh, East Side, I don't know about. East Side is not Sychar. Come on, it's not about the money in your bank account or the color of your skin or the language of your... It's about the promise. It's about the promise of God. There's a well in Shechem. There's an old promise in Shechem. If you want, listen, if you just want to serve hell, notice my house will not be called Sychar. 
My Hmm. Because some of y'all are right there at that place right now like, I don't know. I don't know. They're trying my patience. Well, why don't you try the Spirit? I mean it. I mean the kingdom of God suffered. Just, I'm on this a little bit right now, fighting for family and fighting for location and fighting for geography. It matters. It matters. Woo. If you're a family here and you're at that place with me right now, I'm not letting my family, I'm not letting my house, whatever, whatever location you called out, I'm not giving ownership up. Think about this. It was so insulting. They weren't even going to stay. We're not going to stay. We're just going to take the best stuff and then rename. Because how can, we call, how can we call it Shechem when it's been voided and ripped? Oh, pastor, that, that Sychar thing took place over a long period of time. It's a slow loss. It's a slow change. But you can't let people in that are destroying you. You can't let relationships in that'll take you from Shechem to Sychar. You, well, it's not really a relationship. We just chat online because they get where I'm at in life. They take the best of you. They understand me better than my spouse does. They're an early attendee for your spiritual funeral. You better... Man, I'm preaching right now. I'm, 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 try, I'm reaching. If you refuse, listen. Maybe, maybe everything is perfect in your world right now. Maybe everything is great. Marriage is great. Kids are great. Family's great. If it is, you better hear pastor right now. Babylon's just outside. And if you think I'd perspire, Babylon will spill blood to take yours. The greatest example of warfare in all of history were those who would put their life down to take others. <laughs> no greater love. No greater love hath man than he would lay down. Purchase, prayer, perspiration. He purchased us with his own blood. He already purchased the territory of my family. He purchased the territory. If you got a house, he gave it to you. He purchased you with his own blood. He prayed for you. Oh, how I would as a mother hen would gather the chicks beneath our wings. Oh, he prayed, he prayed, he prayed, he prayed. And he perspired as it were great drops of blood. He, he, and my model is to gather my family. If you're a family that refuses to become Sychar, I want you to bring your family. I want you to come. If you're here without family, I want you to get adopted with a family. And I want you to get as close to this altar as you can right now. I don't want you to kneel. I don't want you to fall. I just want you to come. 